Hello and welcome to Word for the Day. This is Father Pete Matthews from St. Patrick's Anglican Church in Lexington, Kentucky. And on today's Word for the Day, we're continuing our series this week entitled How to Cope with Suffering and just looking at some just practical ideas for how to walk through seasons of suffering. And um, um, yesterday, yesterday I talked about the tool of the Psalms. And today I want to talk about a second tool that comes from the Bible, and it's the book of Job. Um, I just think this is such a critical book to spend time with. Um, Now, a couple things. Um, Job, of course, deals with like some of the most egregious suffering imaginable. Um, Maybe not the most egregious suffering imaginable, but pretty close. And so um, one might think it's only for someone who's suffering that level, but there's lessons here about suffering because the truth is, Suffering isn't just about what objectively happens to us, but it's how how we respond to it and process it. Some of us are more sensitive to low level suffering than others. We just we just bring different things to that, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. That's just part of being a human being. So, but but no matter no matter what level we wrestle with it at, this story um, gives us some really great insights. So, a couple things about Job. Um, a lot of scholars think it's the oldest book in the Bible that actually was was written and composed, if you will, before the Pentateuch, before the books of Moses. Some people think Moses probably composed it, which means he might have heard the story orally and then collected it and preserved it. That's the first thing to note. Second, it's a poem. Like, the whole book is one long epic poem, kind of like the Odyssey or the Iliad, or, you know, those kind of ancient Greek and Roman works. And so um, it's it's very formulaic and um, very poetic, or or think of Dante's Inferno, Inferno kind of uh, operates that way, um, and the divine, the divine Comedy. Um, and so what's going on is, first of all, just to give the basic structure of the book, so Job's this righteous guy. And he's not doing anything wrong. He's got his life together. Things are good. He's faithful. It's not that he's not a sinner. He makes offerings. He worships God, even makes offerings on behalf of his kids. But he's a faithful man. And he hasn't done anything that would warrant discipline or suffering. And and then and then we're taken to the heavenly places in this very kind of ancient Old Testament picture of God and the angels and the hosts of heaven and and Satan or literally the Satan, the adversary, the accuser, stands for God, maybe one of the fallen angels, and says, "Hey, you know, um, you you say things are so good, but you know, you get this servant Job. You you like him. He's doing well. But I bet you, if you let me let him have it, he'll 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 quit trusting you. So God says, okay, have at it." And then all these terrible things happen. Um, he loses his children. He uh, loses his wealth. Um, he becomes seriously ill. He has skin diseases. He just lays on the ground in the dirt and just scrapes his skin and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Everything that's good in his life is completely taken away in the most egregious way imaginable. And then he has people that come to minister to him. And at first, you know, they kind of give him some thoughts and everything, but eventually all of them basically say, look, Job, listen, 
the only answer here is you've sinned. And you just got to figure out what that is, repent of it, and everything will be fixed. <clears throat> By the way, they're, they're all incorrect, just so you know that. This is one of the interesting things about this book. It's all inspired by God, um, but a lot of it's actually wrong. Um, but that what that tells us is this is a book you have to read the whole thing. You can't just read tidbits. It's not like Proverbs. Um, <clears throat> and Job says, look, no, you guys are all wrong. I'm telling you, I've, I haven't done anything wrong. I'm innocent here. I don't deserve to suffer. And then eventually, and I'm really compacting this. You'd have to read it, and it's it's really. I, I think it's a masterpiece. By the way, I, I you know, is is it right to say any of the Bible isn't a masterpiece? I don't know, but Job to me is just a masterpiece, and and the way it, it unfolds the story and tells the story and sets everything up. Then Job says basically, look, the one to blame here is God. So let's get God in the courtroom and put him in the witness stand and let me have Adam. Again, I'm paraphrasing. And so he does, and God answers him. And God's answer um, is not the answer he expected, and it may not be an answer we would expect. Essentially, he just takes Job and he says, let's think about some things together, Job. And he just throws out all these different things about the created order. and says, Job, were you there when that happened? Job, can you explain all that? Job, can you put the pieces together? <clears throat> and God graciously and patiently walks Job through this. So God shows up and God's present and God's available to Job. But he doesn't really give Job an answer. Like he doesn't go, well, we were in the heavenly court and the Satan came and wanted to do this. That's not what he does. He essentially says, Job, you're not big enough to understand it all. Job, you're just not big enough to understand it all. And I, I even if I tried to, I couldn't explain to you how all the pieces of creation go together to accomplish my ultimate good. And so essentially says, you're going to have to decide, are you going to trust me or not? And Job Job repents, in a sense. Uh, he doesn't repent of the bad things he did that caused the evil. He repents of him believing that God owed him an explanation. And then, of course, he's blessed again. So, 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 I think that I've already given the lesson, but it's it's a critical biblical lesson. And I think that at the end of the day, it's an unavoidable place. Whenever we face suffering. We're, we are all faced with, an, with a, a living choice, an on-the-ground choice, not a theoretical philosophical choice, an on-the-ground choice, and that is, will we trust God or will we not trust God? And what the book of Job says is the wise choice is to trust God and to relinquish your need or your desire to try to understand how it all fits because it will never happen. Not because God is mean, or not because God's holding back, but God sits in a place where he sees everything. He sees how it all fits together. And he sees how it will, in the long run, create the good end that he wants. And we just can't see it. But we can see God. We can trust God. We can know God. And I think if you, if you play this forward into the New Testament, 
what it does is it leads us to the cross. And I'll talk about this in the next episode in more detail, but let me hint at it, that the cross tells us that though evil does happen in the world, God can bring redemption out of it and bring resurrection and bring new life. And though we don't understand how that all works together, that sign in history of Jesus on the cross is the sign that God can do that. I love how Pastor Tim Keller, retired pastor from Redeemer Presbyterian of Manhattan, puts it. He goes, you know, whatever suffering means, um, it can't mean God does not love us because he's proven that at the cross. God bless and have a great day.